This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by IATA Training. More than 1 million students have boosted their aviation careers with them. Visit www.iata.org training to discover how they can help your aviation career. That's iata.org training. For people who tend to stay on top of things like, oh, say, the calendar, this piece of information will not be news to them. But for the rest of us, let me point out that we are now halfway through 2017. Wow, feels like only six months ago the year was just beginning. I know, it's going blindingly fast. So it's been six months indeed, and that's reason enough to take the pulse of the overall airline industry. In Airline Weekly this week, we did just that with our lengthy halftime report, something that's become a tradition around here. In that piece, we look at the trends and moments that are shaping the year halfway through. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly, and that voice you heard is someone who never does anything halfway, Seth Kaplan, Managing (laughs) Partner of Airline Weekly. We're going to devote the show to the first half of 2017. We'll review what we've seen and, where appropriate, we'll throw in what we expect to see the remainder of the year. It's all coming up in the Airline Weekly Lounge. Joining us, we're talking about the first half of 2017, and if you took just a few of the noisiest headlines out there, such as Alitalia, the Qatar situation, rising labor costs in the U.S., you might think the industry was struggling, but it's actually been pretty smooth sailing, especially for this notoriously topsy-turvy airline industry. One overwhelming piece of data is that in the first quarter, the industry collectively combined for a 5% operating profit margin. Seth, how good is 5%? Well, you said it, Jason, uh, just to emphasize, you said first quarter. That's because, of course, just here a few days into the uh, into the second half, airlines haven't yet reported the second quarter. They'll start doing that in coming weeks. So for just the first quarter, which is an off-peak quarter for most of the world, certainly most of the uh, northern hemisphere airlines, which make up the majority of airlines in the world, uh, 5% is excellent. And Seth, what do you know about the second quarter? Well, it'll just for seasonal reasons probably be better in first quarter. And beyond that, airlines have said uh, some some hopeful things. I mean, look, first of all, fuel prices, which had been trending upward, uh, actually kind of receded somewhat in the second quarter. That's a very big deal. Uh, and some other things that that uh, you know seemed to be of, of concern, you know, including things that that indeed are very bad, uh, you know, in terms of the world, terrorism and so forth. Uh, from an airline demand standpoint. Uh, don't appear to have hurt as, as badly as you might have expected them to. In the cover story, we take a rather sanguine tone about the role that terrorism played in the first half. I imagine a lot of people would find it surprising that terrorism wasn't hurting the industry more. Can you clarify that a bit? Yeah, well, and it's difficult always to say exactly why. Uh, you know, they're, generally speaking, you know, and I think we've talked about this before, um, Demand tends to recover, uh, maybe more quickly than you expect from you know from almost anything that goes wrong. Uh, but there are times when there's a rather lasting uh, effect. You know, if we think, uh, well, I guess it was late 2015, Paris. You know, followed by Brussels. Um, you know, there there was a noticeable impact. Inbound tourism from Northeast Asia, in particular, Japan, uh, especially, uh, really felt. 
Um, and, and and so you know, then you had what you know the, these these more recent events, uh, and, and again we haven't seen the numbers from the second quarter yet, and that's where the you know that's where Manchester and London would be. But um, you know, just just in terms of commentary that we've heard, uh, you know, seems like perhaps uh, you know if anything less of an impact uh, than there was last time, or that you, than you would have expected. Um, hard to say exactly. Uh, you know, if you, if you sort of try to draw comparisons, um, you know, why why you know, one awful uh, incident would have would have uh, been more of a, an issue in terms of demand deterioration than another. Uh, but part of it might just be people becoming, uh, unfortunately, desensitized. You know, part of it just might be that when things happen with some regularity, um, you know, people kind of just decide to go on with life um, in, 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 a, in a way that they don't when, you know, something hasn't happened uh, for a very long time. But, but for whatever reason it is, uh, you know, seems that, that yeah, um, airline demand has held up in, in the face of some of these, uh, to be clear, absolutely awful, uh, awful events. In a minute, I want to go into each region. But before you get to that, what do you think is the most significant trend of the year? And will that trend wind up being the most significant trend of the year overall? And you can give you a chance to put down your marker. <laughs> well, it's, 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 not I, like, it's, it's not like we're recording this or anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't tell anybody, Jason. But um, uh, yeah, no, it, it's something I mentioned uh, in passing just a minute ago, fuel prices in terms of, you know, and I said it in the context of, you know, how will the second quarter be? And I say, you know, falling fuel prices uh, have been helpful. But yeah, it, it's, you know, any anytime you have any uh significant fuel price movement or sometimes the absence of a fuel price movement can itself be a story uh, that uh, it, that's usually the biggest story um because just small movements in in fuel prices uh, have a tremendous impact uh, on the fortunes of of airlines and so uh you know in the first quarter uh, you know we we're kind of looking at fuel prices that well i mean crude oil prices that had doubled in the course of the year. I mean, we're talking, you know, February 2016 at one point they were below $27 and then they were, there they were up above $54. Uh and and so if anything it looked like um, you know, things were trending the wrong way and then they receded uh back into the 40s in terms of uh, crude oil prices and and that's a very big deal. And all the other stuff matters, you know, all the demand issues good and bad, more good than bad when you look at the world, but uh, in terms of what impacts 2017 the most, uh, you know, if you're an airline thinking that you're looking at 55, 66, who knows, maybe $65 crude oil uh, prices and you're planning accordingly, and, and then here we are in the 40s, uh, the, the immediate impact this year, uh, you know, this quarter and for the rest of the year, um, it, it, there's nothing more important than that, you know, because everything else in the world is is is, is as it would have been, uh, presumably, you know, notwithstanding obviously the demand issues in some parts of the world where, where you know where it's bad when energy is cheap. Um, but yeah, hard to think of anything more uh, important than that, uh, at least now and in the immediate future. Okay, let's go region by region. So, of course, the story in North America was rising labor costs, outpacing rising revenues. And for the first time in years, we saw margins decline almost universally for U.S. carriers. And because of all that, 2017 certainly won't be as good as 2016. But that's not the same as saying the good times are over, is it? It's not. Uh, you know, 2015 and 16 were uh, were a, an absolute golden era. Uh, you sort of had um, this this 
uh, I think I've called it before, you know, alternate universe of, uh, you know, a demand environment that was still very much as if, uh, uh, you know, fuel were still expensive for a while, uh, but a cost environment uh, that, that uh, you know, well, fuel was cheap, uh, very cheap at, at, at some points. Um, and so now it's it's just kind of more like um, what you might call, I hate to use the, 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 the cliche and what's become a cliche anyway, just sort of in the world, business world in general, but the new normal, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe what looks more like a more like a run rate, right? Where, um, uh, where yeah, labor costs are rising uh, as everybody knew they would. Uh, you know, with with airlines doing as well as they're doing, and and uh, you know, in the case of those that took away a, a lot from their employees, now you know ha- having to give some of that back. And uh, you know, airfares that have that have fallen as you would expect they would when 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 fuel is as cheap as as it has been when airlines are growing uh, as quickly as as they they have been. You know, even if they've they've, they've uh, reduced some of that growth more recently. Um, and uh, so so yeah, you know, I I I I, I think if anything. It, you know, if if you're a U.S. airline, you're almost more excited about the idea that this could be kind of how things can be in an average year than you are about years that everybody kind of knew. I mean, some of the airlines said, you know, Allegiant, I think it was Allegiant, they said, you know, uh, it's either Allegiant or Spirit to say, you know, the 30% margin, that, that that's not, you know, that's not, that's not normal. You can't expect it for the long term. And, uh, and and so yeah, I think if anything, these lower profits, uh, you know, but still very high profits in in historical terms, high compared to you know any year except the past couple of years, uh, are are in a sense uh, more exciting uh, because if the industry is indeed as restructured as everybody thinks it is, maybe they're more sustainable. The industry is also on the upswing in Europe. And when you think of names like Air Berlin, Alitalia, and Norwegian, it might come as a surprise that <laughs> things are going pretty well there. There are a lot of reasons to smile in Europe. We listed them in the in the cover story. And one is the declining pressure from the Gulf carriers and Turkish airlines. Seth, how much of a role has that played? Well, it's it's important. Um, you know, they, they those are key competitors in Europe. Uh, it's the U.S. airlines that now complain most loudly about the Gulf carriers. Uh, you know, partly they see us as as preemptive. They they uh, they see it as you know the Gulf carriers have the you know ravaged Europe and and uh, from from their perspective and uh, you know they want to prevent that from happening in in North America. But the reality is that right now they're they're just a bigger factor in Europe. I mean, they're part of it. They're just closer to uh, to Europe. And they compete for uh, you know a lot more of the same traffic flows, you know, the uh, than than they do against um, against U.S. carriers, um, and, uh, and and so yeah, so given that the fact that these airlines are are now, uh, I mean, to, to varying degrees, either you know, slowing their growth, not growing, uh, that that's that's a really big deal. Turkish, um, in, in particular, I mean, that the, you know, depending, I mean, we we sort of categorize it as a uh in in the same grouping as as the middle eastern north african carriers but uh it, you know the, 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 it could just as well be categorized as a european airline it's it, it's it's uh it's it's right there on the i mean for, for what it's worth istanbul's main airport is on the european side of of uh of, of of the city um and so you know when you have turkish retreating uh, as it is done uh that's that, that's rather important for uh, European airlines, more important for them right now uh, than it is uh, for for U.S. airlines, just because they, 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 there's just a lot more overlap. Let's talk about Norwegian a moment. Its low-cost long-haul model, of course, has its share of skeptics, some of whom are 
lounge regulars. <laughs> Has the first six months of 2017 helped or hurt the skeptics case? Oh, I... The skeptics case it has helped. Uh, I mean, it, look at, uh, gosh, the their uh, their first quarter operating margin against the most recent we have was negative eight was negative twenty eight percent. And not only is that awful in the absolute, it also marks a a, a dramatic deterioration from negative seven percent uh, a year ago. Uh, so yeah, there are other airlines that. That uh, you know did a lot worse the first quarter of this year than last year, um, but in their case, you know it, it, it's it's not just it's not just either a you know relative decline, but let's say from a high level, or the poor absolute result. It's both, um, uh, you know, and and you know we'll see how they did in the second quarter, um, but they still have a lot to prove, um, you know, as does that model uh, in in general. Um, but you know, here's an airline that's that's really. Uh, bet its future on that model. It's not just dabbling. Um, you know, like let's say, oh, Cebu Pacific. We could talk about them later if you want. And you know, we get to that region. But um, you know, very successful airline that uh, you know that was doing a little bit of low cost long haul. And oh, it's not going so well, but that's not a big deal. Uh, Norwegian has really bet its future on that. And um, uh, you know, while they don't. To be clear, they don't break out the results, uh, so we don't know exactly where the uh, you know what's what's dragging the company. But the reality is that as they grow their low cost operation, uh, their earnings are deteriorating. Uh, and if you look at the other major sort of independent low cost carriers in Europe, you know Ryanair, EasyJet, Wizz Air, you know what do they all have in common? Well, they don't have long haul operations, and they're all doing a whole lot better uh, than Norwegian. In Norwegian's defense, domestic Norway, which is a big part of its network, uh, is struggling right now with with uh, low energy prices. That's one of those places where you know cheap oil is bad. Um, but uh, that that's not, in all likelihood, the the uh, the primary explanation for the situation this airline is in. How do you feel about the trends in Europe in general? Well, yeah, Europe. It, no, I mean it, it, a lot of the airlines seem to have uh, seem to have turned the corner. You know, it's still a highly fragmented region. I mean that hasn't that hasn't changed. But uh, you know, and and let's see by the way what happens here with Alitalia and Air Berlin. Things, if anything, maybe it's looking more like Alitalia uh, might survive in some form. Air Berlin, uh, who knows? Um, but if there's some sort of rationalization there, that would be helpful uh, for for uh, for the rest of the industry. And um, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's uh, it, you know things are looking maybe more hopeful uh, than than they had previously looked, uh, albeit obviously to to to, to greatly varying extents uh, for for the different airlines there. Before moving on to the next region, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, IATA Training. Did you know that 36 million new aviation-related jobs will be needed in the next two decades? Offering over 350 aviation-related courses, IATA can help you take advantage of this huge opportunity and boost your career. And even better, if you register more than three months in advance, you can save 20% on course fees. Terms and conditions apply. Visit iata.org slash training for details and start shaping your career in aviation. That's iata.org slash training. One of the big trends of the year has been the airline industry's resurgence in South America and Central America. Things have been so good that we've seen a bunch of new entrants in that region. Seth, is this as dramatic as it sounds? Yeah, well, uh, and look, some of, some of the some of that was planned even before things uh, things improved. Um, so, it, it, uh, you know, in terms of the new entrants, but uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's 
you know, at this point, um, it's more than just, I'll use another one of those cliches, one of those business cliches, green shoots, right? You know, uh, I, I mean, you know, Brazil is rather clearly uh, off its lows, for example. Um, and uh, uh, that's, that's that's very important for the whole region because of how uh, of how big the country is and how you know just how big a percentage of capacity in general uh, involves Brazil um, and uh, so so yeah so now right a lot a lot of new competition from uh, low cost carriers especially uh, and so we'll see how it all nets out you know the improving demand conditions but also uh, all these competitive threats for uh, for incumbents but um, but yeah you know it, it's it's uh, um, no longer, very, very clearly, no longer deteriorating uh, in the region in general. Now, when you talk about you know the, the Latin America overall, I mean, uh, there's you know, just huge, huge variance within within the region. I mean, you know, Mexico is sort of uh, a situation apart uh, from from the rest. Um, but, you know, more exposed to the political issues with the U.S um and and uh and so forth and and with you know three large and rapidly growing low cost carriers uh, uh you know just basically capacity growth has outstripped uh, demand growth there but uh you know even there the peso is uh is is well off its lows and uh you know if anything uh what was a you know rather tough start to the year might be giving way to uh to some better conditions one of the few areas that is clearly struggling is the Gulf region, in a large part because oil prices remain low. And that has led to Emirates, Etihad, and nearby Turkish Airlines downshifting growth plans. How significant is this? And are we witnessing a sea change? Well, it's one of those things where, yeah, you, you, you sort of you, you could imagine us looking back at this as, as an inflection point. I mean, obviously, they're struggling. There's, there's no question about that. Uh, Qatar is struggling well as well, um, if anything you know, probably more than the three you just mentioned at, at the moment, but um, but but they haven't uh, they haven't uh, altered their growth plans to the same uh, to the same degree. Uh, looking just to look at DO schedule data, uh, those three that you mentioned, Emirates, Etihad, and, and Turkish are uh, broadly speaking, you know, they're kind of roughly flat here in the in the third quarter uh, year over year, whereas Qatar is still double digit growth of. of Oh, what did I see? Twelve uh, percent in terms of uh, seats. Uh, that's their that's their plan anyway. Uh, yeah, obviously, they're having to having to suspend a lot of uh, service and so forth because of the uh, the blockade uh, for for the moment. But um, but no, that that's that's a very big deal for the world. Um, uh, you know, we 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 said uh, we said in the issue. I think we said you know it, it's uh, the Arabian Gulf is not like Las Vegas. What happens there doesn't stay there. Uh, you know. Big impact uh, for for the world, um, uh, you know, for for not only for for uh, other airlines, but of course for suppliers in the industry who sell you know, airplanes and all the rest of it uh, uh, to these airlines. So uh, let's see how long it lasts. It's one of the biggest stories. And when you asked me before what was the biggest story in the world, yeah, I said fuel because you know, but, but I just don't think anything's bigger than that in terms of impacting every single airline in the world. Um, but the issues in the Gulf are are right up there in terms of the biggest stories in the world. Also struggling with the commodity bust is Sub-Saharan Africa, but there were bright spots, including Ethiopian, which continues its run of success, and Rwanda started flying long haul. And Kenya Airways got back on its feet. Seth, which of those stories has you feeling the most hopeful? 
Well, Kenya Airways, good to see, you know, that that they're they seem to be turning the corner. Um, you know, still still a lot ahead of them in terms of uh their restructuring. But uh that that's that's a big deal because, you know, you sort of think of the the three big uh uh sub Saharan African carriers from a global perspective are really uh uh Ethiopian, Kenya Airways and uh and south african airways uh now i noticed in terms of good news you uh you didn't ask me about south african airways um and i assume there's a reason for that uh, you know they are one that that's uh um the well to put it mildly not turning the corner um they exist at this point just because of the of, of uh, government help um you know multiple restructurings they haven't been able to uh get back on their feet a lot of reasons for that i mean one is that there's not blessed with very good geography um you know, Ethiopian is, is sort of situated in a way where it can tr- capture a lot of uh, important traffic flows. South African is not, um, but for the reasons that be, they're they're badly struggling. One region that's not struggling is the Indian subcontinent. Two big stories are dominating this space, namely Indigo's continued success and the possible sale of Air India. What do you see in the future here? What kind of impact will that sale have on India's airline industry? Well, it'll depend on what it looks like, uh, you know, and, and what the new. Well, first of all, it, 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 you know, if somebody else is going to control the airline or not, we don't know. Um, uh, you know, how much of it's going to be sold, and uh, you know, what kind of scope they'll have to, uh, uh, you know, to 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 do the kinds of things that you need to do there. It's a very unproductive company. It, it's, uh, but it's got a, you know, it's got a nice intercontinental network. Um, they are you know, sitting here in Washington, uh, launching service uh, to Washington Dulles from from uh, Delhi uh, later this week, and and uh, so you know just just uh, if, if you kind of you know if if you kind of forget about a lot of things that are hard to forget about, uh, there there are some interesting assets there. Uh, you know, and India's big uh, big airports, by the way, are very uh, uh, congested, slot constrained. Air India has a lot of the good the uh, good facilities and slots. Um, so there's there's you know a lot that you would like about it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, if you're an airline like Indigo, which has expressed interest in, in, uh, you know, participating in, in, uh, in the, uh, uh, you know, Air India changing hands, uh, gosh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, huge opportunity, but huge risk, uh, there, but anything that, um, you know, that puts Air India, that, that turns Air India into, you know, kind of more of a commercially oriented airline, I, I, I think would be good for the industry because right now um, it kind of it kind of limits the upside for the rest of the industry when you have this um, this giant sort of bumbling airline uh, that um, you, you know, as I said, sort of taking up so many of the good facilities and slots and and uh, um, you know just representing a lot of capacity and you're having to compete against um, uh, you know what is really more of a government than an airline um, would probably be good for uh, for everybody else if, if uh, it continues its transformation notice I say continues because by the way Air India is you know as, as bad of it as, as it still is compared to a lot of other airlines uh, it, it it, it's it's off its lows. It, it has begun transforming itself. Uh, it's just a long process and one that probably uh, you know requires uh, requires some other participants to, to 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 bring it to completion. Okay, moving on to Russia. Here we have a weird case. Russia is of course dealing with low oil prices, but Aeroflot nonetheless continues to thrive. And one of the reasons we mentioned they're thriving is uh that russia has good geography what does that mean well it, it's it's uh 
well, give you an example. I flew from uh, uh, from Miami to Ulaanbaatar, uh, Mongolia, uh, a few years ago uh, on Aeroflot connecting in Moscow. Um, and and it's you know that's that, that that's an example of you know one of many uh, itineraries where it's just Moscow is in this place where um uh you know right in the middle of 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 a lot of traffic flows uh Aeroflot like Turkish Airlines by the way uh there's a lot of business carrying people to Tel Aviv to Israel um uh you know just sort of one stop to the world for a lot of important itineraries um and and so. Uh, as Aeroflot uh, transforms itself, you know, I mean, this is a reformed airline. When you look at them, they are, you know, it is just a better managed airline than than it than it used to be, um, and it benefits from a, a lot of consolidation in the industry. You know, Transaero, uh, uh, you know, disappeared. Uh, yeah, Aeroflot sort of had to manage some of that. You all of a sudden find itself with with, uh, with a bunch of airplanes and everything it didn't expect to have, but um, but you know, an important competitor is gone. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely an airline um, that wouldn't even say sort of a little known success story anymore. I think I think a lot of people in the world are are are, are aware of its uh, of its importance. But but yeah, that that geography um, is is unique, um, and it's uh, you know a lot a lot of times when you're looking at those sort of the sort of weird itineraries like the ones I mentioned. A lot of times it's really Aeroflot and Turkish kind of uh, you know kind of kind of competing. Uh, for the business, because because uh, Turkish does a lot of that kind of stuff that you could fly Turkish as well from uh, from Miami to Ulaanbaatar, various things like that. Moving on to Northeast Asia, Korean Air finally said yes to Delta. Cathay continues to struggle. Japan Airlines and All Nippon are doing just fine, but the biggest story here continues to be China, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does because. China is a part of all the other stories, right? Um, you know, when 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 Chinese airlines launch, you know, when they grow as rapidly as they've grown intercontinentally, um, they're overflying all those other hubs in Tokyo and Seoul and and uh, and, and Taipei. You know, the Taiwanese carriers, um, uh, which which are uh, you know uh, not doing as well as as uh, as uh, the Japanese carriers, for example. But uh, um, so so yeah, uh, you know, you've you and, and and you know the. In their own right, the Chinese airlines, you know, the big three, um, continue to be to look more like other global airlines in terms of their product and so forth. They're China, especially, um, but but uh, China Southern, China Eastern as well. Uh, they have grown rapidly, um, although that growth has uh, begun to slow uh, here lately. Um, you've got the HNA Group, Hainan Airlines, is, is the uh, the most prominent member, going around the world and buying up all kinds of assets in, in, uh, in aviation and people starting to wonder, you know, what's going on there. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, China is the biggest economy, uh, and, uh, just, just in terms of the impact on the world and the impact on the, uh, the regional competition, uh, you know, hard, hard to talk about anything else in, in Northeast Asia without talking about China. In the ASEAN region, surely the most heartwarming story is Malaysia Airlines' comeback. But I'm also curious about what Lion Air's and Vietjet's aggressive growth plans mean to that region. Well, it's a lot of capacity. And oh, by the way, AirAsia, right? The biggest uh, low-cost carrier of all in the region. Uh, oh, them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, them. Um, yeah. I mentioned earlier Cebu Pacific is is actually one of the um, one of the rulers. That's one that probably is an underappreciated success story. I don't know if people everywhere realize that, that uh, you know, that uh, Cebu is... is 
uh, from 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 the Philippines uh, is one of the more profitable airlines in the world. Um, mentioned that they've you know, sort of dabbled in low cost long haul. Probably regret doing it, but didn't bet the company on that, uh, and so they're okay too. But yeah, so so that's sort of what what Malaysia Airlines is facing. Um, they have. They have very much reformed the the, the company. I mean, it's it's uh, it's in much much better shape, um, but it, it's just still in in a uh, in in a rough neighborhood from a from a competitive standpoint. Um, and, and this is all different. We talk about the ASEAN region as as a uh, as a as a difficult place these days. We're talking about a place that for you know for for a half century up until uh, just a few years ago, you wouldn't have said that at all. You would have said, you know, if you could be one place, uh, uh, you know, running an airline, it probably would be there. Um, you know, Singapore Airlines, of course, always did very well. Um, Thai Airways, uh, you know, I think was profitable for 39 of 40 years. Um, and, uh, you know, with all due respect, probably not because it was the very best managed airline in the world, but, you know, just, 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 um, uh, you know, great inbound tourism there. Uh, you've got a, uh, um, uh, you know, an island geography in a lot of these places where, um, uh, you know, where, where airlines are not competing against uh, road and rail, um, only against, you know, much slower boats and so forth. So, uh, so yeah, you know, it, it, it always was a very uh, good place to, to be an airline. Now it's a tough place. Um, but Malaysia Airlines give them credit in, in the face of all of that, and obviously in the face of everything that that company uh, had to deal with in terms of the, uh, the two disasters. They've um, uh, they, they've they've uh, very much uh, put themselves on on good footing. Uh, I mean, a lot left to go. They're not yet profitable or anything like that. But um, but uh, you know, not uh, at the moment anyway. Looking like a company that the you know whose survival is is in question to the extent that it was a few years ago. And in an effort to end the show on a high note, we'll head to Australasia, where Air New Zealand and Qantas are enjoying their own golden age. Seth, have any airlines benefited more from the ultra-long-haul aircraft more than these two? No, I, I don't think so, because um, it, it's it's not, and, and you're, you're talking you know, about, well, I guess in the, in the case of those two at this point, you know, especially Dreamliners, um, uh, you know, A350s, of course, have have uh, have, have range too, um, ultra long haul range. Uh, yeah, because the thing is, it's not just the range, but it's the economics and the capacity. You know, and the ability to fly a, um, an airplane now, you know, eight or nine thousand miles with just two engines, and uh, and only have to fill, you know, two hundred seats or so. Uh, th- that's really what's what's new here. Um, you know, the 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 old conundrum was that the farther you had to fly, uh, the less demand there was. I mean, it's just kind of the way it works. You know, when you, when you fly a place really far away, you don't have as many people who want to, you know, want to uh, fly that market as you do for, you know, uh, two-hour flights. And so, uh, you know, so you might think, well, you'd want a smaller airplane, but you couldn't have a smaller airplane. You had to have a, uh, uh, you know, 747, let's say, you know, with four engines and, and uh, 400 seats to fill. Um now, uh, now you can have it all. You know, you can have two engines, uh, very good operating economics, um, but have the range. And uh, you know, airlines everywhere are happy to have it. It, uh, you know, United probably wouldn't be flying to you know secondary cities in China from San Francisco and so forth without without Dreamliners. Um, but but yeah, in terms of really transforming things, um, if you are uh, uh, Qantas, especially Air New Zealand, um, the, the, the extraordinary. Uh, transformation of, of, of just how you kind of see the world uh, having access to these aircraft. 
All right, there you have it. The first six month, the uh, six months of 2017 condensed into a half hour show. <laughs> if you get a chance, check out our cover story, which was the July 3rd issue. For Seth Kaplan, I'm Jason Cottrell, and you've been listening to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge was sponsored by IATA Training. Visit www.iata.org training to discover more than 350 courses to help boost your career in aviation. That's iata.org training.